The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview and acting upon it. The worldview that gives men and women the truth of what is. Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRN. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at abfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ABF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. This is Pastor Monty, and welcome to Truth Time. And uh, we are going to uh, just make a quick technical announcement and let you know that uh, summer is uh, upon us. The weather may not be agreeable to that, but uh, it's the end of May, and uh, we'll be going into June, and with the activities of things that are going on, it's been decided that we will um, make this our last broadcast for the season. Um, so I'm sitting here with Pastor Josh. Hello. And we've been chatting back and forth about uh, what's the best mechanism with uh, the busyness of the summer season. And so we've decided that uh, today will end um, a 2022 season. So with that said, we, wa- we want to end on a up note, as it were, and uh, take a look, uh, starting with uh, the Christ Factor in Colossians chapter 3. So leading up to this point, the Apostle Paul has been uh, kind of establishing a groundwork, as it were, for the church to get now to the meat of his message uh, to the body there at Colossae. And he's basically saying this, and I'll just read it because it's a, it's a wonderful read. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in God, well, in Christ, in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. 
You used to walk in these ways when you, when, uh, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger and rage and malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since... Do not lie to each other. So this is your old self with its practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Wow. Wow. And we're going to leave our discussion today at that point because I would say that these verses that we've just covered in the first part of chapter 3 of Colossians, the Apostle Paul is really getting to the meat of what his philosophy is. So when he writes, for example, to the Romans, he basically repeats this philosophy for the Romans. He goes in a lot more detail as to... um, the importance of understanding the uh, baptism and what happens in baptism and, and uh, needing to change, uh, you know, basically starts at chapter 6 and goes all the way. You know, it's a letter, so of course they w- he didn't have chapters. But he starts uh, midway through, the, uh, midway through uh, his letter and he gets to about the middle of the letter and he then, you know, so it takes him six chapters to get to the point to say, hey, put on a renewed mind. You know, and so this is the call that we have as believers, as the Apostle Paul explains his theology. He's saying, look, the old self is dead. You no longer set your thoughts or your practices on the old self. You are to live a new life in Christ, for he is your all and everything. And and God's wrath is coming to those who participated in these old evil things. But you, as a disciple of Christ, you should have no part of these things. Now, I find that to be difficult for most believers to grasp. I don't know why it is so difficult for believers to grasp that. But when I look at the life of believers, and I look at the struggles that they have, I find this to be an issue, a big issue. What do you think? You've got, what, uh, probably 10 or more years now in pastoral ministry? <laughs> yeah, I've got almost 20. Oh. <laughs> you're, just, you're, you're dating yourself there. Oh, uh, man. Uh, I have <laughs> 17 or yeah. 16 years. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah. You agree? Yeah, of course. Yeah, people have a hard time. Here, summarize what you're saying in just, like, one sentence. What I'm what I'm saying is is that most disciples of Christ, most people who claim to be Christians, have difficulty grasping that uh, the old is dead and they are to live new. Yeah, yeah, I w- I would definitely agree with that. the The difficulty comes, I think, philosophically from the nature of what sin comes from Mm -hmm. and people want to distance themselves from sin um in salvation which makes sense but what they fail to understand is that sin is easily cultivated in a free um i don't know how you say it free society free 
um, way of being. Like, sin was cultivated in Adam and Eve, who were perfect. Right. So the, the idea that <clears throat> the idea that when God saves us from the wages of our sin, that therefore um, we don't still struggle with sin is uh, if it's not dealt with, if it's not acknowledged, then it's easy for sin to be cultivated in it. So throughout history, we've seen, for example, then the 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 churches. I'm not going to say one church, but but churches. Uh, have tried to set up mechanisms to curb that. For example, the the Roman Catholics. Right. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Roman Catholics are Christian. I'm saying that the Roman Catholic Church set up very definite mechanisms of do's and don'ts. Uh, John Calvin sought to, uh, to bring about the perfect society um, by the principles of God's word, but lots of do's and don'ts. Right. Well, really, lots of don'ts. Yeah. Okay, yes, you're correct. More the, the emphasis on don'ts. Right. Don't do this, don't do that. Right. Yeah, it's, it's very restrictive and instead of directive. And the thing is, is that Christians um, have spent a lot of their time focusing on the don'ts, and they have spent almost no time focusing on the do's. Uh, and so when they come into a level of freedom that they haven't had before, this freedom in Christ, this freedom from slavery, from bondage, they don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And so that's, that's a huge, that's a huge factor in it. And then there's, you know, you're still a, you're still a, hmm, how do you say this? You are not sinful in the sense that you have been saved from the wages of your sin, but you are still sin oriented um, you are not sanctified uh, completely until sanctification is not the same thing as justification. Like you're not you're not completely um, done with sin. Well, so clarification of terms, yeah. justification is that point at which you are covered by the blood of Christ, and so who we are in our sin has been covered by the blood of Christ, and we are justified before God because of the work of Christ's blood not because of anything we've done. The sanctification is then that process. So that's an event. Right. That's an event that took place because of the Christ of blood, uh, Christ's blood on the cross. Right. And we can call upon that event for justification in our relationship with God. Sanctification, however, is a process. Yeah. And, and, and the life of the church, uh, individuals inside of the church, are at various stages within that process. Yeah, and in counseling, what you oftentimes find is people sort of blaming God for um, t for realizing the extent of their heart um, of their heart's desire. And, and, you know, we, w this concept, the wages of sin is death. That's in scripture. We have a tendency not to really understand what it means, even though the language is pretty pretty good um, for English. But, you know, we work toward sin mm. and what we get paid for working towards sin, what we earn is death. And that sin is not demonic in the sense that it's not um, it's not this like revelatory outside demon that's like pushing sin upon you. Sin is born from desire. That's what the scripture says. Right. It's right. it's an internal thing um, that when it's 
when it is not conformed to God's will becomes sin. Uh, you know, so the problem is, is that when we are unjustified, when we are, when we're not saved, we are, we are going to reap the reward of, of, of working toward a desire that's not conforming to God, um, which is eternal damnation, just being blunt. After we're saved, we no longer are going to reap that reward, but we still only know how to do that. We still only know how to cultivate sin um, from desire. And that's a huge, that's a huge undertaking to sort of um, switch, switch gears. I remember in um, my experience with foster care that, you know, you can take one of the things that um, was impressed upon me in our training was that you can take a kid, you can take them out of an environment that is really chaotic and, you know, they've been in this environment for, you know, 18 years or whatever, 17 years in my experience because I was transitional living. Um, and that was my job was to, to teach kids how to acclimate to, to, the, to the world outside of their programs. So you could, you could take the, the kid out of these fostering environments and, like, put them into a world where they have freedom of responsibility and freedom of choice and freedom of, um, of basically how they're going to discipline their lives. But um, y y it doesn't change much. Right. You know, there has to be a reckoning that, that happens, and that reckoning is almost always a process. Sometimes – Sometimes when there is something extreme that happens um, where like the motivation can be, they call a life altering event, you know, right, right. that can happen. And God does do that. But th that's not the common way in which that happens. Like I think children, like uh, sometimes you have like the worst, <laughs> you think this, this woman is going to be a terrible mom. And then all of a sudden she has a baby and she's like the best mom ever. And she's a completely different person. And as her child grows up, they have no idea. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I've seen that firsthand. Um, it's it's very rare, though, to see just a, a switch flipped. Yeah, and 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 so that's the reason why the Apostle Paul approaches this from a different standpoint, and basically takes an affirmative uh, position to say, "This is what you were. That's dead and gone. Yeah, you're no longer to be a part of that. But this is what you now are." and what you need to be working towards. And so he talks about the, the very nature of what, what we were, for example. Those things lead to death. And then he says, but you're no longer a part of that. And he points us towards uh, who we should be in Christ. But as Josh just reiterated, that's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a process that each believer is in then and, and it can become a very arduous process because there are many people who, unless they have some type of a life-altering event, um, still easily fall back on the ways that they were having difficulty with to begin with. It's all they know. All they know is yeah. how to cultivate sin. Right. And, and <coughs> the, the task of the church, the task of the church is to provide an atmosphere whereby people can be taught what it means to be godly, and how to take those uh, situational circumstances of life and put them in the context of one who is now redeemed. 
and living for Christ. Yeah. And see, before, when they handled issues in life, they saw it through the lens of somebody who was sinful mm-hmm. and who dealt with uh, issues basically as one who is sinful, which, which the emphasis then, um, because of our position, uh, because of the, the work of uh, Adam, uh, is, is uh, self right. and the glorification of self. And so now you take somebody out of that and you say to them, well, in Christ you're a new creation, and so you need to remove yourself from that type of thinking, and they, it's very difficult to do. Yeah, and uh, specifically, um, I think the book of Galatians uh, deals a lot with sort of where a lot of people with a Christ consensus um, struggle with it because in Galatians he's dealing specifically with like the Judaizers right and he's talking right. he's talking about the law and how people want to live under the law and he's saying you know when you do that you make Christ's work void um, you know and Paul in particular he was a Pharisee um, he was you know the best of the best sat at the feet of Gamaliel you know he was he was um, it what is it the uh, Acts describes Paul as wreaking havoc on yeah. the church. Yeah. Um, because of his zealousness. Yeah. He, I mean, he was the best of the best or the best of the worst, depending on how you, <laughs> on how you view that. Um, but you look at him and he, in, in, in some of his other letters, he's a lot softer in the way that he deals with things. But in Galatians, he's pretty zealous. You know, he says things like, um, uh, who who has uh, bewitched you? You right. know, like who who has cast a spell on you? Right. Or he makes a couple fun penis jokes. You know, like uh, like I wish those people who are trying to cut you off from the grace of God. I wish that they would cut themselves off. You know, and he's he's referring to um, trying to put people under circumcision. Right. You know. Right. So there's there's he has really strong feelings about it. Well, why does he have really strong feelings? Because his example at, uh, to get an idea of what you were. And, and, you know, some people may have forgotten and I don't want you to go back and, and, and stay there, but you can pick one of these things. I mean, you know, some people may say, well, you know, but pastor Monty, I, w- you know, I've never been involved in sexual immorality. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. But maybe you have uh, issues with lust. You know, lust is not only directed towards uh, is not only directed towards uh, sexual type things, but uh, you can lust. Uh, you know what? Lusting after something that is uh, immaterial is that's called covetness. Mm-hmm. You can covet for things. You can uh, you can be greedy. You can uh, worship things rather than worshiping God. Idolatry. Um, those are things that, you know, uh, God has issues with. Or further, he gives a list. You know, what about, uh, you know, now rid yourself of these things, he said. Don't be anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language. Don't lie to each other. You know, I mean, these are, these are things that you, know, you may not be guilty of all these things, but most people that I've ever dealt with, they have one or two things that kind of captivate their life. And they really have difficulty getting over those. Well, I think you are guilty of all those things. Well, that's the, the, the that's the that's the thing. Like, 
but yes, you may not. What be, I mean is, it's not going to dominate. Yeah, all, you all, may not be not overtly. Every, there'll be one or two of them that are really problematic. Right, right, right. Well, I think that that's the point that Paul's making is: let's say that you have all those things under control. First of all, I think that that's disingenuous if you're being really, really God honest. Right. We, we sometimes we say the God honest truth. Right. The right. the man honest truth is I have it under control. Right. The God honest truth probably not. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, and you're right. When you talk about covetousness, it's interesting um, that particular term or that particular phrase um, in the Ten Commandments is like it's it's one of the only internal commands. Right. Um, which is really interesting. An internal command toward your uh, toward external things, you know, like the don't kill and don't, don't still things like that. But then you have this covetousness, which is in the heart and it really is the root of it. Mankind at the beginning coveted God's position. Right. So, you know, he coveted the knowledge that God had of good and evil and so on and so forth. And it's sort of the, it's, it's wanting to take something that, that doesn't belong to him. Um, I had a point to that. I don't remember where I was going with it. I'm not sure, but uh, you were doing fine. The, the <laughs> <laughs> well, you had said something, and and I was I was piggybacking off of it. It's everybody. It's that we all have <laughs> to. We, we all have all of these issues at some point. We deal with yes, and, and okay, yeah, and Paul. Well, yeah. Okay. Paul specifically says, "Don't you know that if you if and this might even be in Galatians also." Paul says, don't you know that if you commit one sin, then you're guilty of all sins? Yeah, yeah. And I think that it, there's one aspect where that's true in the sense of um, if, you're do, if you don't hit the mark, but you hit everywhere else, everything is not the mark. So therefore, it's a sin. That's right. true. But then there's the other aspect, which is if you break sin down to its root parts, it's not conforming to God's will. And so – God gives us certain blessings and he gives us certain things that we're to have. And um, at the root of, say, sexual immorality, you are trying to take something that doesn't belong to you and consume it in your way. Uh, what makes that different than witchcraft where you're trying to take a power that doesn't belong to you and consume it in your way or stealing? That's an obvious one or killing. Right. Uh, take you know justice into your own hands, or um, or if it's not for justice, uh, wrath, vengeance into your own hands. It's all the same sin. It's just played out in different ways. Yeah, no, I would agree. I would agree. So, th so the apostle Paul says, "Don't dwell on those things." But now, now listen to the way he says this as, as we close this off, because this is fascinating. He says, "Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves." With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bear one with one another. Um, you know, if one another has a grievance against you, forgive as, as God has forgiven you. Uh, all of these uh, virtues, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So here's the thing. Um, have you ever been, I mean, think about it. In a very practical sense, what the Apostle Paul is saying is, look, in Christ, so you, so all of these things that you were before Christ, they're like filthy rags. Mm -hmm. You're just dirty. Well, Ug ugly dirty. It's a little bit more than. Yeah, but just for, <laughs> for simplicity of the illustration. 
You're, you're, you're just ugly dirty. What you really need is you need a bath and you need a clean change of clothes. Yeah. And he's saying clean up the old stuff, put on new stuff. Yeah. And, and uh, the, that old stuff that you had, uh, that's, that needs to be trashed. Burn that. Yeah. Get rid of it. It's good. It's gone. And you now have new clothing. You're clean. You're a new person in Christ. I feel like I can't. I, I feel like I can't let it go because it's too powerful. <laughs> it's Pastor Monty's dancing around it for the sake for the sake of the the program. But that term, filthy rags, is yes. talking about rags that were used for menstruation. Yeah, and that is important not because it's rags that were used for menstruation, basically a glorified maxi pad. Right, but because that meant that in in Jewish uh, law that that woman was ceremonially unclean. Yeah, she was uh, she was prohibited from participation yeah. even within the community. Right. So we're not just talking about you're dirty and you need to put on new clothes. We're talking about you your righteousness to God is the equivalent of something that warrants you being kicked out of the community for 7 days. Right. And then, and then needing to be and then needing to be brought back in through an intercession process. Yes. So it's like it's a Big it's, it's big not deal. just it's yeah. not just you're wearing dirty clothes and I just I I know where you're going with that. I just love the I love the illustration. Yeah. So we want to encourage you as you go through the rest of this year to think about your position in Christ and that you are wearing a new uh, outfit. Ceremonially clean outfit. Yes, a ceremonially clean outfit, and that you are representative of the work of God within your life. Um, let's close out this section of Colossians now, and let's briefly uh, close out our section where we've been talking about um, the, uh, the issue of relationships. Now, we won't spend a lot of time here because we have spent too much time on Colossians, but that's okay. I mean, we're, we're fluid. We'll make it work. We have been talking about the issue, the fact that uh, as believers, we are constantly involved in relationship. And we've been talking about uh, mostly familial relationships up to this point. And so our relationship with God, then our relationship with our family, the interaction that takes place within the family, and then lastly, husband and wife. So as we venture forward in the concept of relationship, as it expands out from familial and to the uh, beyond the husband and wife. Now we talk briefly about expanding into the community of faith. And the first place that relationship uh, enters then in the community of faith is with the local body of Christ. So you have a relationship with the extended body of Christ. That is means the, the body of Christ, which is beyond your local community. But scripture is very clear as you look at the writings of the Apostle Paul that we are to be involved in a local body. We are to participate in a local body. Now, the degree to which you participate, that can be an element of discussion, but you need to be participating in a local body. That's where you need to be fed. That's where you need to uh, uh, participate in interaction with other believers. That's where you need to develop and use the gifts that God has equipped you with so that the body might be... Uh, might be equipped 
to do the tasks that it's set out to do. So what that means relationship-wise is that you need to um, examine yourself and be prepared to be within that relationship. And so part of that would be, so then you have to break down and you say, okay, so what, what are we talking about? Well, not only, so first of all, we're talking about uh, a commitment to be involved uh, in, that, in that relationship. Um, and see, when we were, when my wife and I made a commitment, particularly when the kids were small, um, things are a little different now that um, we have uh, gotten old the and technology. Tired. Well, no, oh. that we have the technology available, <laughs> where you don't have to be physically present, but but you can still be present. Like for example, we were gone this weekend, but we still tuned in and listened to the message and participated in that way because that that's available. But in the old days, the only way that you could participate in church was to get off your butt and get dressed, and get up, and physically go to church. Sure. And there were those days when people within the familial relationship were having issues. Mom, dad, children, <laughs> you know. I How many times you ha you know that there are people that have had an argument on the way to church, or things have not been going well with the children, because... They walk into the church and they got pouty faces or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, good morning." <laughs> they're, like, they're like, "Nothing's happened," but really, there has been things happening. Right. Uh, but there are lots of families that struggle with, you know, kids uh, saying, "You know, I don't want to do this. I'm not going," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's the responsibility of the father, the head of the home, to say, um, "This is a priority." Yeah, and we will make it a priority that we are going to go and participate uh, in the local body. So I think that it needs to be a commitment that you're going to do that. Yeah. Now it's extremely easy with uh, with um, uh, televangelism, and 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 I do appreciate I do appreciate so much uh, the various. Uh, this didn't used to be the case, but I do appreciate so much the various ministries that are out there. I I think like. Uh, uh, Chuck Swindoll or Alexander Big or, or various others who make it a point to say, if you tune in and you participate through our radio broadcast, um, good for you. But, but you need to be involved in a local body. And your money needs to be involved in a local body. If you can spare money towards this ministry, then uh, we believe God will bless you and, and please do so. But your, your, your body... And your money and your effort needs to be grounded in a local body. Yeah, I think of John MacArthur. Yep, same way, John MacArthur, yep. So these are pastors of really big churches that have radio programs and what have you. And there has been a, a real problem with many believers who um, just, you know, the, it's so comfortable just to be able to get up and still be in your jammies and, Maybe have a cup of coffee and turn on the radio and say, yep, been to church. For me, going to church is turning on Gaither and listening to Gaither music. Okay. <laughs> right. So I have nothing clever to say about that so statement. Well, yeah, and you shouldn't because... I think just on the face of it, it shows itself to be ridiculous. You better. You just need to understand that, it, <laughs> that Gaither may well be directing the choir in heaven. Right. Is that 
he's that godly of a man. Yes, he'll be directing the junior choir. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when I get up on Sunday mornings, even before church, and if I'm away, like out of the out of the area, the local area, I got you know Gaither music on, and then you guys come on, I and I switch over to you. I would think it'd be something like Handel or like. Oh no, Bach or Beethoven. No, you know, no, like no, no. You want songs that you can relate to. Anyway, okay. Uh, so, so there needs to be that commitment, and I think for a number of believers, um, I again, I'm not sure that that commitment exists as it should. Well, no, definitely not. And it's like part of it has to do with the culture that we're in. Part of it has to do with our influence on the culture. Um, oh, and the area we live in too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know a lot of people who say, you know what, you know, I this is this is the Northwest. I get my church from from being out in the wilderness. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, it's area and it's area and era. Um, I think that we have, like, without going too much into church history, I think that we have created a time and space that cultivates the the idea of a non-holistic lifestyle mm-hmm. and so yeah and the church adopted that i mean the church has been adopting that for years um going all the way back to you know the roman catholic church uh and the assault by the what the visigoths or right. something i think it was right. you know where they anyway anyway so <laughs> it's been doing that for years i think of the enlightenment with uh, the church taking the spiritual and giving reason over to uh basically to those outside the church and um you know and the roman catholic church dying on the idea that the earth is the center of the universe and so on and so forth i mean we have been encouraging dichotomy the church has been encouraging dichotomy for a long time and we've informed culture so within the church itself by the time especially I mean, you're really talking about westernized American Christianity. Oh, yeah, definitely. I like to abbreviate as whack. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you're dealing with whack culture, you're, uh, you have imported into it all of these sort of like pagan ideas already of dichotomy. And, and then you have a culture that's based on freedom, um, based on well basically social contract with freedom at the cost like any cost to to get the freedom of social contract and that's what this this culture has and it's cultivated a society where people have gotten more and more that way and it's not just a christian problem although i believe christianity cultivated that reality by allowing that pagan idea of dualism to exist within it but 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 basically you know um kids in the secular world uh, like families are made up of people who come together maybe to watch a tv program maybe Mm -hmm. but they don't you know they don't eat together they don't um they don't reside together they don't spend time together there's no holistic understanding of family and when you get that imported dualism put into culture and then those people you know coming back into the church it you know, corrupts the church completely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's so kind of a heavy breakdown, but it is. And this is a heavy subject from the standpoint that, that, um, you know, this is something which is pervasive within our culture. And rather than allowing the church to influence culture, 
culture, uh, the church has allowed itself to be influenced by culture. And, and so that's problematic. So one of the first things when we took at the issue of relationship within the, ex the, uh, the local body, what we're really saying is that the scripture is very clear that there needs to be a commitment of the each member of the body of Christ to the local church so that, so that that may be the vehicle that God uses as the gospel is spread and as uh, the word of God goes out uh, to, a, to a needy world. And so for each individual, one of the things that you need to ask yourself, and we'll kind of leave this where this is because this is a deeper subject and, and we want to cultivate this more as, as uh, we pick up again um, at a later date. Uh, but but um, you need to ask yourself, you know, are, are you committed to a local body? Are you not only committed to a local body, but are you participating within that local body to the degree that you're able? And we'll leave the to the degree you're able with uh, some leeway there uh, because we're not into do's and don'ts, but we're into parameters. Um, so, uh, but are you participating in a local body? And then we'll expand later upon what that participation really means because it really gets personal. It gets personal from the standpoint, it, it, you know, do you know that God has given you a gift? And, and the, res <laughs> the responsibility of the gift is not that you're blessed because you have a gift, but that you are to bless others with the gift that, you, that God has given you so that the body might function correctly. And so we'll talk more about those dynamics at a later date. Well, yeah, and I, I worry that the question as you're framing it is just so foreign you know you like people won't understand the question well yeah i uh, again i go back to the idea that people don't even understand how to be part of a family people don't even understand how to be part of a gender like when we go to even more so when we yeah. go when we go to classifications you know basic classifications yeah we've yeah. broken them down so much that if we say you know you need to be part of a local body. Well, that person doesn't even know how to be part of themselves. They hold a dichotomy in themselves sure. to the point where they, um, where they've allowed this dualism to exist. And even our society is perpetuating that even, in, even more yes, today. Even yeah, more today, especially in the area that our church is located in. Um, but even in themselves, they 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 can't reconcile the two things. And now you know we are saying you know um take on some take on a covenant relationship with people outside of yourself outside of your biological family like take on a covenant relationship right. people can't even do that at the base level so that's that's what i fear just from this i'm not saying you're framing it badly i'm saying people i don't know that people can even recognize that framework i, th I think it needs to be um like an eye-opening radical experience um discussion where you have to say i want to present you with something new kind of how christ um says you know a new command i give to you which is right. actually an old command right, right? Another, right or a new covenant which is actually an old covenant like people don't get it but the covenant of works actually comes after the covenant of grace right um we just so it's funny because you've got the new testament which gives you the new covenant but really, if you read the Apostle Paul's writings, 
he highlights that the new covenant is really just an old covenant, uh, a deeper magic, as Lewis might put it. Um, C.S. Lewis, Narnia. Right. Um, uh, a deeper magic. And and I think that's kind of where you got to go, where, where you're like, you know, like forget family. Mm-hmm. You know, forget self. Forget these things where you're like, oh, these ties, community is thicker, all this sort of stuff. I think you have to go to like almost like the visceral human knowledge of community where it's like for some reason we want to love each other for some reason we want to we don't want to be alone um because um all the institutions we've used to describe that or that have come out of that have just been so marred that people are just confused by them family what is family gender what is gender so what so my intention is to say okay so this is this is where we want to leave this discussion for now. Yeah, 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 of course. But a, but a teaser would be that, you know, we want to come back to this discussion and, and, to, and to, give, to put some meat on the skeleton, as it were. Yeah. And to give definition to some of these things that, that Pastor Josh has rightly brought up that many people in society today are confused by because we come out of a confused society. Yeah, and it's it's getting even more so uh, with some of the things that are going on. So, but but this is a next step that we need to look at. Yeah. is what does Scripture say about the relationship that we have uh, equally as members of the body of Christ, and more specifically, uh, your participation in the local body of Christ. So, producer Tiffany, write that down for us. <laughs> so we don't forget it. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, so let's go ahead and end this discussion right here, and let's go into our next section here, which will be brief, but uh, let's uh, go into um, here's my take. I still am not used to that. Not used to that one? No. Okay. Well, you know, there's just so much stuff going on, and I, I really wrestle. Each week I wrestle with what – what should we talk about? What, uh, but d- just briefly, um, this shooting that took place in uh, Uvalde, Texas. Is that how you say it? Yeah, Uvalde. Okay. Has caught a lot of people by surprise mm-hmm. um, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, because the youth that was involved. So an interesting analysis uh, two weeks later, an interesting analysis by a commentator noted that all the recent shootings that have taken place um, where it's been mass shootings at school uh, were all done by 17 to 18 year olds it's 1999 again in in Kip kinkle yeah 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 and and there's been this this uh so there's issue with uh with these young people that uh, are having family difficulties and are exposed to various things and the way that they decide to take it out is, you know, in this violent method. There were 19 children killed. Yeah. <laughs> 19. Yep. And two adults. And supposedly after, you know, after uh, Kip Kinkle and all the stuff that went on there, supposedly the school districts put into place measurements to where this type of thing wouldn't happen. And yet what an analysis of the event looked at was, first of all, people always want to run to the issue of guns. 
uh, is, you know, it should be clear by now that, that guns are not the issue. Right, the availability the, to sin. The availability yeah. makes guns easy, but, but the guns are not the issue. The issue is that we have young people today that are screwed up and are not being taken care of, and the signs that are present are not being addressed. In the but we also have people that are in positions of responsibility that failed in their responsibility. You know the reason why the kid was able to get into the school was because a teacher had come out a door which was supposed to be locked mm. and failed to lock it when they went back in. I'm sure that kid knew that that was the case. He had, I don't know, he had tried the different doors, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I mean, there's because he was killed, so we don't know exactly yeah. his reasoning, um, but and we don't know if his intention with death by cop or what his issue was. But but um, the other thing is is that most of the information that came out immediately um, was jacked up and wasn't accurate. So, for example, the the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, basically stated some things that turned out to be an outright lie. Hmm. Um, not because he was lying, but because the information that was being fed to him was not vetted. Yep. And, and so he, he ate crow. And later, not to his credit, but he ate crow. And they come back and say, you know, <laughs> this was wrong. I was wrong. Uh, and what he was wrong about was that, that there was supposedly... The idea that the local police force was on top of it, and they moved in, and and they tried to, uh, you know, to take care of this uh, active shooter that was going down uh, immediately. And the reality of it is, is that there was confusion at the scene, and the the police presence there uh, were there for over an hour before they finally confronted this guy and shot him. Yeah. I mean, so just a, a, a mess. Hard, that's a hard thing, though. A mess all the way around. An hour goes quickly when you're in a yeah in a yeah. panic situation. But, yeah, yeah that's. Well, they, so they didn't know who was in authority. They didn't know that, you know, the, it, as it turned out, the um, – the the shooter that actually took out the perpetrator was uh, was a border patrol tactical team. Interesting. Not the local police, not the state police. So they were just there on the scene. They put they they put the call out and said anybody any tactical team in the area we need you. Wow, are they so understaffed? It's you know it's Valvaldi. It's a little. Yeah, they Texas probably don't have their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah this it's, it's, makes it's, sense. Uh, so uh, lots of mistakes, lots of stuff going on. Here's my take on it. Here's what I, I gather from all this. I, we live in a world where you need to be uh, situationally aware of what your responsibilities are and how to deal with the, the, the volatility of the culture that we live in. Yep. Um, you know, so I, you know, lock your doors. If the responsibility to have doors locked is there, lock it after you come in or make sure that, you know, know that, that they can be locked. Like in the 
on the church here, we have doors that automatically relock. Right. Um, but uh, lock your doors. Be aware of people that are hanging out that shouldn't be hanging out. You know, be aware of uh, your circumstances and your surroundings because we live in such a dangerous world that uh, currently uh, things can just happen in a moment. Yeah, I mean, there should be protocol in place, but the truth is is that that shooting didn't happen in a moment. Oh, no, 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 no. And and the signs were there. That's the problem. Like, yeah, you have a kid who's messed up, but the real problem is that you have adults who are messed up. Yeah. That, you know, you have adults who are messed up um, and so, so involved in their own lives that they didn't, you know, that they missed it. Yeah, I mean, basically the school district thought that they were being proactive by having four, um, by having four uh, resource officers available for eight schools. Right. <laughs> I mean, now in my day, I mean, see, that's that's a basic math thing. Did you have resource officers in your no, day? No, no, no. I think we had one resource officer, um, and I think it was post. Yeah, no. Post Columbine, I think, is when we. That was the first uh, of its kind, yeah, right? We didn't have anything like that. Yeah. Well, I think that there's a reason for that. And that, that the mass school shooting and like church shooting, like all of these things, you know, that are growing and growing and growing. Again, it's not the gun um, issue. I'm sure that there can be some, some gun reform that, you know, there can be some compromise there. But the real issue is that you have a bunch of people who feel the need to destroy in order to have some sort of control. And quite frankly, though they're completely wrong and they're outworking, the um, the cognitive dissonance required for them to act that way is real. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's and real and it's a valid anxiety. And what, what you have is you have individuals that are on both sides of the fence, so you know, the, uh, when it comes to guns in particular. Do you know that Detroit has the strictest gun laws of any place in the country and, uh, and has the most uh, gun-related violence? Oh, it's kind of like here. How or we have or the New York. The New York is the same thing. It's kind of like here how we have, uh, in Portland, we have the most churches per capita and the least church people. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's one it's one of those weird things. No, it's it's not a gun thing. And and actually, um, we've had instances when people were were out to do evil. If they didn't have a gun, they still did evil. Like when they ran oh, yeah. a car into a crowd of people, oh, yeah. or or you know all of those uh, those weird things. So, no, our society is just becoming evil. And for the church, I guess my take on it, as I said, you know, be aware. Be vigilant, be aware, play your part in locking doors, in moving away from people that are uncomfortable. And it, there's, there's no shame in saying, I'm going to move to the other side of the street. Or, you know, notifying somebody that somebody's hanging around that, that is, shouldn't be hanging around. They just look creepy. Well, I would say be involved. Um, like, my take on it would be it's not my segment no i like it i like but, go ahead but you <laughs> you're buying into the segment yeah okay. it's a good deal. <laughs> my take on it would be to be involved 
Like this kid did not become this kid overnight. Yeah. And I just wonder how many people didn't see him for who he was um, until he decided that he needed to be seen, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, I'm I'm sure that there's going. It's unfortunate, but I can I can pretty well tell you that that probably we're going to see more of this stuff. The only way to prevent it is to actively be involved in in uh, understanding your surroundings and and acting accordingly. Well, I'm to prevent it from like a law enforcement side, but to prevent it from a. Um, emotional reality the way that we're going to prevent it is to give right messaging right and i don't disagree with that it's a complicated issue that's well that's that's the real issue in my mind right and society hasn't helped for example by doing away with the state being involved in uh, mental health issues where they've shut down for example hospitals that uh, people used to be sent to when they had psychiatric issues yeah well i'm thinking about uh i'm thinking about everything involving identity and that's you know what these kids you know the world is supposed to the world is a scary place and the purpose of all of these institutions is to make it so that people can get through this world um and from a biblical standpoint can do so um you know, finding their relationship with God and learning to actuate the image of God within them. That's a very simplistic way of putting it, but, you know, like building their relationship with God that way. No, I get it. But the institutions, you know, all the way, the institutions, um, you know, at a government level, but even like family, marriage, uh, gender, like all of these things have been corrupted to the point where, People are just not only confused but enraged. Well, and and you know where they're being corrupted in the education system. That's a part of it, and so but part of this lashing out. But the but the education system, the education system is corrupting a generation who has been abandoned by their parents. Well, I agree that that's an element. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge element. Yes, right. They've been abandoned by their parents, who who are now freely teaching them that no truth exists. And by the way, we're going to put you with these people who will teach you more about how no truth exists. And so when you have people who come against that cognitive dissonance in that age group where they're trying to identity and role confusion, although that's not the typical way to understand it, but identity versus role confusion is during that time period, they have to find out who they are in that time period and a lot of people are going to find out that everything is a lie and when you find out that everything's a lie scorched earth is the way to go i mean yeah and it was an argument with his grandmother that triggered this incident what what does that mean he had an argument with his grandmother and and uh, in the process got so angry with his grandmother that he shot her and tried to kill her, he shot her through her face, so a bullet entered the mouth and went out the back, but, but, but he tried to kill her, and then he walked out of the house and stormed over to the school, crashed his car, stormed over to the school, and went into the school to try to, to kill whoever. Do we know what the argument was? No, we don't know. Did she die? 
She's in the hospital, critical condition in the hospital. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you that wasn't, uh, I guarantee you that that wasn't the first argument that he had. Oh, no, I, I, I agree. So we live in a very volatile society, as it were, but, but you are, I believe, one the aspect that you're focusing on is, is uh, certainly a large aspect because in theory, the church is, get, we'll just end it with this, this sure. comment. In, in the church has negated that, and what I say by the church, uh, uh, let's get real picky, members of the church, the body of Christ locally, have negated their responsibility in the education of their children. And the school system, we have got, uh, my wife and I were talking about this the other day, we have got people that have their own agendas. Yep. So LGBT, you know, the homosexual community, the Every, everybody, everybody, every, every all these they, special interest groups. They have their own agendas, and they have uh, surreptitiously, not so secretly anymore, but for for twenty and thirty years, they have been putting themselves in positions of yeah. power and authority to dictate. Uh, teaching our children now these things which are against what the Word of God has to say. And not just in the public school system, but it's happening even in the evangelical community And that as well. should not happen at all yeah. in, in the evangelical community. It's, it's a matter of prayer. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough thing. Let's try to end our time together with something a little bit lighter here. I hope that you've enjoyed our programming. And uh, that uh, season, what is it, season four? This is season five. Season five, that season five uh, has blessed you in some way. Um, let's talk about uh, what's up with that. Um, you know, I, I read this article. You're talking about students and applying their time correctly. Recently, I've seen a lot of articles about students that have invented things that are necessary and that society benefits from. There is uh, some students at John Hopkins uh, University that decided to address the issue of uh, burritos not staying together. Okay. And so they made... It's called tinfoil. No, no. They made an edible tape. All right. That now you can tape your burrito and eat the tape, and uh, the tape will hold your burrito together. Okay. Would you eat one of those? It depends on what the tape's made of. Uh, it's edible. That's all, that's all I and can if tell it's, you. And if it's safe, it, it depends on if it's safe it, uh, and it, what it's made of and its flavor and its texture. Well, like, yeah, I mean, would it complement the, the, what's in the burrito? I mean, I just want to point out I mean, that what holds a burrito together is the tortilla. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just and, I've, and I've always felt that a good wrapper, a good way to, to congeal the burrito uh, tortilla wrapper closed is, of course, melted cheese. But, you know, this well, is Well, I, I mean, I can see, you know, so, so now when you get a burrito – you know, they put all the ingredients in. They fold the wrapper a certain particular way, yeah, and and put it in some tin foil, and there's your burrito. Yeah. But uh, can you imagine a new burrito stand having a a roll of various flavored, uh, yeah, tapes where yeah. they just grab the right tape, wrap that baby around it, 
you're you're ready to go. My question is, does it keep the the lipids out? Like, does it keep the um the oil? Does it keep the burrito from getting you know? I don't know. I mean, the oil I, in I, or whatever. From a from a legal r- realistic standpoint, something like this would be since it's edible would be considered a food and yeah. under the Food and Drug Administration, yep. and it would have to go through testing before it would be approved for commercial use. Producer Jasmine and I will let you know if we uh, <laughs> see it on Shark Tank at some point. Yeah, there you go. All righty. Um, hey, you know, in Arkansas, in Arkansas, a uh, small town, home of Johnny Cash. Okay. Um, they love Johnny Cash so much that they painted a silhouette. So when you go into a lot of these small towns, they'll have water towers. Yep. You know, to, to, to hold their water and to have you for the city. In this small town in Arkansas, the water tower has a silhouette of Johnny Cash, the man in black, uh, holding a guitar. And some local uh, kid, I'm going to assume, uh, decided that it would be fun to, uh, to shoot a bullet hole into the silhouette. And guess where he shot the bullet hole? I can think of many locations. Yeah, he shot it in the privates. <laughs> so, of course, what... <laughs> so Johnny Cash is peeing? That's right. So Johnny Cash is, pe- <laughs> is, is peeing. So how long is it taking it? <laughs> well, you know, the city works had to get up there and plug it. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's but, like, that's a small hole in a very this, large container. Yeah, yeah, but there's a... <laughs> There's this picture of the silhouette of Johnny Cash <laughs> taking a leak. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And Johnny, like for those of you who don't know, Johnny Cash is like he's old in terms of being, you know, a figure in music. So people don't realize it, but he's kind of a bad boy. Yeah, he was. He was a bad you know, boy. Yeah. He he like really mellowed out when he got older and he became a Christian and so on and so forth. But back in the day, he was like considered a rebel. Oh yeah. So yeah. just the idea of him <laughs> taking a Taking yeah. a piss on his hometown. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow. No. Okay. Well, I know exactly what's up with that. That's <laughs> well, if you guys who have small uh, children, I would remind you that um, there's things that you certainly need to learn as an adult about how to deal with small children. And one thing is, is uh, again, situational awareness. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. need to learn that it's always a good idea to lock your phone. Okay. You know, so that you use a code or, or biometric or whatever, but people just can't get into your phone. A woman in Texas learned this. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking at a picture of the water tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a woman in Texas oh, learned man. this when DoorDash showed up with 31 cheeseburgers <laughs> that her two-year-old ordered <laughs> over her oh, phone. Man. <laughs> So the moral of that story is two-year-olds are a lot more savvy these days than, than they were when I was a kid. And uh, for goodness sakes, lock that phone. Put a word on it, biometric, whatever, but lock it so that you kids can't get into it and order whatever. You know, that's that's a real um – <laughs> Sorry, I just got a better angle you, on it. You really love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, uh, oh my gosh, my mind is now just thinking about my son and how he would do something like that. Yeah. Um, that's a real thing uh, with microtransaction games. 
like microtransaction gaming. Oh yeah. Where they've had to put um like safeties in place because kids will just like order, 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 order because you know to get like diamonds to keep playing the game or whatever. So yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna Sorry, I'm still looking at this picture. <laughs> oh man. Uh, okay, yeah. On that note, <clears throat> uh, so if you're someone who's seeking answers, or you want to know more about your faith, or you're new to Jesus Christ and the Bible, you can check us out at abfpdx.org. This podcast, the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast, is a resource of Alethe Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon. We're part of something we call the VRN, the Vigilance Radio Network, which is just a web portal that provides helpful and interesting resources for the church local and at large. And if you're somebody who's enjoyed our service, remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. And remember, you can find it on uh, you know the main platforms, Facebook, YouTube. Um, so you know, take a second to do that. Generally, we share our content at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. That might change in the next season. Don't know. But you can find all of our content for the past five seasons um, at those places. There are other things that we have. We have a, a podcast this Saturday for Culture and Sanity. That might be the last one in season two. Bible with Pastor Adam every Wednesday at 9.15 a.m. We have our Sunday services that are available. So check all of those things out. And uh, for the end of the season... Um, thanks for listening. I'm Pastor Josh, your co-host, senior pastor over here at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lathea Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the